Well, as Calvin said earlier, it's definitely uh, good to see everybody here this evening. You know, some of you not only look good, but smell good. <laughs> Sean Payne, I'm not quite sure what his issue was. You know, Calvin came in and gave me a hug, and, you know, he heard me say something to Calvin about him smelling good. And it's like, you know, what's wrong with acknowledging somebody's cologne and the fact they showered? I'd I just like to know, what's, what's the issue there? I mean, I, I'm totally confident in my heterosexuality. I can't say it, but I'm confident in it. <laughs> anyway. What's that? Well, you know, I was getting into the nuances a little bit, okay? We'll just leave it at that. Um, before we get started tonight, I would like to uh, go to the Father in prayer again. Amen? Oh, Father, uh, thank you for getting everybody here safely tonight. It is incredible to uh, look at our fellowship and know that we are united in mind, thought, spirituality, our love for Christ, and ultimately, uh, God, bringing you glory in everything that we do. Uh, I do want to offer up a special prayer again for Susan Johnson. Uh, Father, I, I know that you've already lined things up for her, for this to be an incredibly successful situation. The right doctors are involved, the right surgeons, anesthesiologists, all the individuals along the road there, they're going to... Uh, help her move forward and uh, just be restored to 100% health. Father, uh, be with uh, her friends. Just, uh, they'll be there as a support for her, which ultimately means all of us. And uh, God, more than anything, as we move forward, I pray that we can draw closer to one another uh, as we use this time to look to your scriptures and understand ultimately the calling is to emulate you, to imitate you, to be more and more like Christ each and every day so that we really can be a light to a lost world. Father, I love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this evening, uh, what I'm going to try and do, uh, I've got about uh, 38 minutes here, is uh, taking you through both the good news in our study series, as well as the Word of God. Uh, a lot of it's stuff that, you know, no, no major or revelations in it for us at this stage in the game. But there are some things that, you know, may be helpful when it comes to renewing our own personal convictions. I think ultimately, though, knowing that this gives us a a template, kind of a skeleton, on how to sit down with somebody and have the tools necessary to study the Bible with them, whether you're a young Christian, old Christian, whatever the case may be. And when it comes to a skeleton, what do we need to kind of do to that? we got to put some meat on the thing. And guys, you're looking at it. Take a look around. This is the meat right here. Amen. We're the ones who can flesh it out. We can share about the good news in our own lives, how God's worked through us personally. So with that, just uh, as we go through our transforming steps here, the, uh, can anybody tell me what the first thing was that we looked at last week? There were four items that I really want us to come away with the series from. Amen. First one is to solidify. That comes out of Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, which ultimately... Is so that each of us can grow and mature and move on from the elementary teachings, becoming more and more like Christ as we do that. But with that as well, helping others embrace who Jesus Christ is and helping them grow and mature as well. Amen? The next one is to unify. John 13, 34, 35. And as I go through the studies, there may be a scripture that I'll add. I won't subtract anything. But I do feel that... There are, and here's the thing with the, with the uh, study series, we all need to get to a point where we're comfortable with our Bibles, and ultimately we can sit down, have a discussion with someone, determine kind of where they're at. Uh, it's amazing how when you develop a friendship with somebody that has never really experienced what we have in the kingdom, how all of a sudden they know they've got somebody that's willing to listen to them, and how it all comes on out. 
And with that help, we, how we can take God's scriptures, God's word, and help them deal with their situations, which ultimately is freeing them from the grasp of Satan. Amen? Anybody tell me what the next one is? Multiply. You guys are awesome. You know, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we talked about it a little bit over the last couple of weeks. You know, it's referred to as the Great Commission. A commission is something that someone can sign up to do. In this particular situation, Jesus is very clear. He gives us an imperative. And what is that imperative? We need to go and make disciples. Where do we need to do it? Everywhere. And within the realm of that, what's one of the other things that we need to do? And I think this falls within the multiplication process, which is what? Teaching them to obey everything. We need to be there for each other in that capacity. Again, as iron sharpens iron, as Jesus calls us to love one another, to, to be there for each other, and that will allow this process to continue. And then the final one is? Amen. That's the one I kind of added to it for some of the old timers. I know it used to be the three, but... I really felt that it was important for us to take it to the next level. And in 1 Peter 2, one of the things that's talked about there is really going after the spiritual milk. But as we saw in the King James Version, it's the spiritual milk that's the Word, which is the same thing as Jesus. So going after both of those things. Amen? So what we're going to be looking at tonight is just tips for leading the studies. You know, I think first and foremost, what do you guys think the best place is to start? I heard it from a few of you. Prayer. I think it's the best place to start. It's the best place to be in the middle. It's the best place to close things on out with. And then realizing what's at stake here. We all know because we're here. We know the time and energy and love that others poured into us to give us the opportunity to see what Christ has in store for us so that we can make Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. And I think with that prayer, it's a matter of really treating, making sure the individuals, our friends or family members that we're reaching out to, that we treat them with compassion. But with conviction as well. We don't let Satan get in there with sentimentality, keeping us from saying the things that Jesus said. And he goes the gamut. I mean, they're all awesome. Amen? Would you agree that a few are maybe a little bit more challenging than others? That's totally the case. So we need to be friends. First Thessalonians 2.8 talks about that. It says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well as you have become so dear to us. You know, getting to know your friends, getting in there on that level where it's not just a matter of setting up an appointment for a study, but that we're, we're in there, that we're, we've got friendships, they're in our homes, we're having them over for hospitalities. We teach them to pray as Jesus taught his guys to pray in Luke 11, verses 1 through 4. And ultimately remembering the power source here. You know, sometimes we get all stressed out about, oh my gosh, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to do the right thing? Well, you know what? There isn't anything God said that's wrong, Right? So if we're God-reliant, if we realize that He's the power source behind this, guess what? We can speak the truth in love and remember that God has the power to transform hearts and help those individuals' faith grow. Amen? Amen. I think one, one final thing, too, which had an incredible impact on me, and this, you know, this isn't an edict, this isn't from God, but I think it, it is something that can be very memorable and help people that, in a lot of instances, may not even have a Bible. I will not forget... It's one of the most awesome things I've ever received, and it's one of, it also has turned into one of the most, well, not one of the most, but kind of an upsetting thing for me as well. And that when I studied the Bible, Bruce Teague years ago brought, bought me this incredible NIV uh, concordance Bible, which is, a, you know, 
uh, an individual that has absolutely no clue how to get around the Bible was super helpful for finding topical studies and things of this nature. But the thing that made the biggest impact on, on me was what he wrote in the front of the book. And he cited a passage from Timothy that talks about physical training is some good, but obviously we know there's more to that equation, which is our spiritual training. And uh, it, it was one of those things that just made an incredible impact on me. Years ago, I took it to a bookstore to have it rebound. The bookstore went out of business and that Bible disappeared. So that's the kind of the downside. Of it. But I'll, I'll never forget that particular situation. I think this is something we can really do to, to help those that we're reaching out to feel loved. Um, you know, I want to commend the, uh, the Hachias and the uh, Casillas. Uh, I had the opportunity to be involved in a study with uh, Chris and Irene. And it was just incredible hearing them share about the love that they felt from the Casillas and from the Hachias. And, and they, they were there for them. There were the late nights with the studies. There were the meals. There were the, the, the fun talks. There were the not-so-fun talks. Uh, even from a standpoint of Chris being in an accident after he'd gone to visit his wife at work on the way home, he got in an accident. And Scott even called him and asked him, you know, when he heard about it, they interacted. And it was like, hey, man, are you okay? And the next thing that Scott offered on up was his car if he needed help. And uh, it was a situation that Chris had, didn't even experience any of that from his own family. So I think really understanding how important it is for us to love others the way Christ has loved us. Amen? So let's see here. Let's go ahead and uh, jump in here. Or, you know, actually, I think I already did inadvertently. Yeah, Luke 2. You know what, actually, this is what I would like to do real quick. Uh, all you guys have got your little booklets. I want to assign scripture, so you, I'll, we'll go through them. Let me know if you want it. Take it as it comes up. If you would read it for me, that would be awesome. Luke 2, 9 through 11. Marty, so please, please uh, remember these guys. Luke 4, 16 through 21. Dave, Acts 1, 1 through 11. Elaine, Henry, I actually have one for you. Uh, Acts 2, 22 through 28. Maybe this leads to a good question, Andy. Um, do we all, is there anybody that does not have a Bible or a Bible software on a phone that's here tonight? You guys are absolutely awesome. Hopefully nobody's, you know, not, not afraid to raise the hand here. I think, you know, we are a Bible church, so that's an important thing. Amen? I'll, I'll, I'll go over the booklet in a second. Uh, so we got Dave on that. Acts 2, 22 through 28. Oh, I'm sorry, Lane, was that the one you had? Okay, Andy, okay, cool. Um, Romans 10, or excuse me, Acts 3, 24 through 26. Aaron, Romans 10, 14 through 17. Mark, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Maureen, uh, James 1, 21 and 22, and I'll explain that when we get there, Dave. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. Mary, John 8, 30 through 32. You got that one? Matthew 15, 1 through 9. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 16. Uh, John 12, 47 through 48. You know, I've got to steal one back that I gave someone here. Uh, sorry about that. Henry, I need you to take uh, Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 for me. And as a surgeon, I'll be asking you to kind of explain that at one point. And then who did I give uh, 1, Peter, or 1 Timothy 4, 16 to? Paul, I, I can't, you know what, I, I've got, 
I have a reading contact in one eye and nothing in the other, and you guys are a little semi-blurry, but I can do okay with what I've got up here. So I've got to get into the optometrist, obviously, and get this thing squared away. But uh, I don't know if it's been denial or laziness or not enough time or what, but probably all of them. Uh, on First Timothy 4.16, if you can't, or if you can't, what I need is I need somebody to put together three paper airplanes for that particular one, and I, need, I will need a pen when I ask you to bring those up. All righty. If somebody could read Luke 2, 9 through 11 for me, whoever I sign it to. Amen. Uh, for those of you that are looking along in your little spiral books, uh, we're starting out in the uh, good news. That's the first passage in that particular uh, study. With that, angels came announcing good news. Now, in the study book, it, it tells you to ask the individuals you're studying with what that good news is, right? What is the good news we see in the passage? There, there's several things there that I view. It says good news, first and foremost. It's better than bad news, right? And then the next thing that comes after that is what? Jesus is Savior. Right before that, doesn't it say something about great joy as well? So there's a lot of incredible things there that, for those of us that you know we're studying with and maybe aren't too schooled on Christ, this may be the first time they've heard that Jesus is good news. Others, you know, we, we'll go the gamut with the individuals that we reach out to. Those that are religious, those that know religion, Atheists, agnostics, Muslims, I mean, it can go across the board. So, and again, keeping this in mind, you may not even need to start with this study. There's another study that's not in a book some of you have done uh, called Seeking God, which starts in Jeremiah 29, uh, 11, you know, Jeremiah, yeah, Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. That was a good one for me. You know, the, the fact that God has plans to prosper me, not to harm me. But, you know, and then ultimately, you know, there's a, the, a kicker to that. There's a key to it in the... the, the uh, Onus is on me to seek God with all my heart. So let's go ahead and uh, continue here. Luke 4, 16 through 21. Whoever I sign that to, if you'd read it. So again, more good news about Jesus. What's the good news according to Jesus? Well, there's a few things in this passage, but and this is where I, I kind of like, depending upon the time situation, helping people even get into things a little bit more depth, whether it's reading the entire passage in context, depending on what we've learned about them as we've gotten together with them, or those wonderful little footnotes that can be in there from time to time. And, you know, this passage is pretty awesome, right? But you know what? I want to read you Isaiah 61, which was the actual scroll that Jesus brought on out. And I want you to either underline or maybe make notes to yourself in your little booklet or think about how inclusive, what an incredible list of good news was prophesied 
by Isaiah hundreds of years before the onset of Christ. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Then dropping down to verse 6, says, And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. How cool is that to know that Isaiah was referencing us thousands of years ago? You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in the, their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance, and so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and inequity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people of the Lord. The Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And then to see, and I don't know if Luke... You know, maybe got a little writer's cramp or only can maybe remember some of the stuff that we see in the book of Luke. Because it did say that Jesus unrolled the scroll and then he rolled the scroll back up. But how incredible that have been to witness that, see him roll that up and to proclaim, I'm the one. This is me. I mean, in reading this passage in Isaiah, for me today, I mean, I've read the thing in Luke a million times. I've probably gone to the footnote at some point. But how much more extensive was this? How much more inspiring was this? Not that the passage in Luke wasn't, but I just thought it was incredible to see all the things God had lined up that we would be able to inherit through Jesus Christ. Next slide here, next passage. Uh, Acts 1.
Amen. So we you know, looking at our booklets here, the, the question that's asked is, what do you think about Jesus being resurrected from the dead? I think one of the things that's, that's important in these studies, too, is that, that it's not sterile. We're just not coming out of the book. Again, why? We're the flesh of that skeleton, each and every one of us. And we all have a different story. I remember being asked, the, the second part of this, based on verses 4 through 11, which, how would you feel if Jesus showed up today? I remember kind of swallowing hard on that one and, you know, kind of thinking through it in light of some of the conversations we had, some of the things that had been, you know, talked about in my life, and I wasn't fired up about it. Uh, yeah, I was scared. You know, once I really got a conviction that this Jesus was something other than some nice little story or some, you know, nice little baby in a manger, but that he died for me and then resurrected so that I would have the opportunity to go through a very similar resurrection after I'm dead or raised up if, when Jesus comes back, I mean, it was, it was convicting. So, you know, interject a little bit of yourself. The first time you came to that realization, how did you feel about it? Because, you know, here's the thing. If it's one-sided all the time, I, I appreciate the people that studied with me. I think if it was at me the whole time, the thing that made it easier for me to embrace was the vulnerability of the individuals that studied with me, them sharing some of the issues and challenges they had and the things that they were able to overcome. Amen? Next uh, passage. So obviously the thing we have here, even coming off of what we saw in, in Luke 2 and Isaiah 61, is just the implications of this. Helping them through the passage based on what Peter was talking about in light of uh, even what David realized. You know, do we believe that Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead? And with that, just how they feel about the fact that this prophecy that came through David, again, well before Christ hit the planet was being discussed, was being talked about. This was the thing the ancients held on to, is that knowing that someday, as their Savior, their Messiah would come, they'd have that same opportunity for salvation. Next passage, Acts 3. Amen. So taking a look at this again, knowing that Jesus has been prophesied, going all the way back, we can go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis 12, Genesis 18, see the promises that God made to Abraham. And then again, this coming to fruition, this coming to become, uh, this actually becoming a reality. And I think this is a, a great time to share your own personal testimony. What was the impact? 
that God, this, this message of a Messiah, this prophecy of Jesus, the reality of him rising from the dead, coming to this planet in, in the flesh and rising from the dead, what were the implications that had for you? And again, just really making sure that you inject yourself into these studies. So, yeah, share the testimony. You already tagged that and moving on here. You know, and one of the other things to talk about in the booklet, I think it is, it is key, too, that we're, we're real with the sin in our lives. Both what took place prior to becoming disciples, but even some of the challenges we still have today as disciples. And this really set things, sets things up so that you can explain how important it is for the men and women that have been in your life. Discipleship. You know, the one anothering. Loving one another, as Jesus talked about in John 13, 34, and 35. Those things really can make a difference because, I don't know about you, coming into this, it was new. I mean, it was super new to me. I mean, I didn't get hugged a lot as a kid. I didn't get hugged a lot prior to, you know, actually getting married. Never held babies before I got married. Walking into church and having strange women, let alone strange men, hugging me. It was different. It took some getting used to. So a little bit of explanation along the way. I mean, why do we call each other brother and sis? Other than when we don't know their names. You need to be convicted by that. I, I, some of you have asked you a million times, but I will continue to ask until I've got it down. But, you know, why are we brothers and sisters in Christ? They, they, they may, even, may even come up with something. You know, we've got to study the deals with that. Amen? Moving right along here. Romans 10. Amen. You know, the questions to this one is pretty easy. How do people hear about the good news? Well, it's right there. How do we get our faith in Christ? You know, and if people flounder around, don't let them flounder too long. I mean, I've been in studies where I've fallen asleep. I'm just kidding because, you know, the individual that was leading it waiting for the person to answer the question. I mean, how many of us like being put on the spot like that? You know, honestly, the reality, well, you know, why don't we do this right now, guys? Let's go ahead and turn in our homework, too, okay? I'm kidding. But you know, you, some of you, you kind of tighten up there a little bit, right? It's like homework. What the heck is this guy talking about? Making sure we don't put others through that. Amen? I'm sorry. I apologize. I deeply apologize. For, some of you may be having flashbacks or something. I apologize for that, too. But, uh, you know, if we look at verse 13, what does it say? Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through what? The Word of Christ. So practical application as we close this study on out is... Review, I think, is always a good thing. You know, seeing what's been retained. You may even want to spend a little bit more time. If they have, I, this is a good time. Yeah, you know, you have any questions. And, and just so I say, you, you'll have individuals that will be wanting to question you as they go through the study. Unless you want to spend five to six hours, depending upon the individual, getting through something as simple as the word study, have them hold their questions until the end of the study. But, you know, usually there's a note taker involved. You might want to have them make a notation that when you go back through at the end, you know, hey, uh, Henry, who was leading the study, you know, if you remember, such and such had a couple of questions. And, and taking those on, going after, spending the time there to do just that. But otherwise, you know, you can have some situations where every single word of every single verse someone will have a question on. So moving into the next study. Going to uh, head on into the word study here.
Well, maybe not. If you could uh, go ahead and help me out there, Ben, and for whatever reason this thing disconnected here. Oh, okay. Did you do that? Thank you. I'll just let you do it from here on out. Um, so 2 Timothy 3.16, we're going to have whoever's going to uh, read that. Go ahead and read it. Okay, so what does the word do for us here? Based on what we just heard. What's it useful for? Covers a lot of bases. Where does Scripture come from? When it comes to Scripture, what do we need to do with it? We need to make sure that we apply it to our lives. James 1, verse 21. Okay, and um, I want you guys to write in verse 22 on this particular passage. Can anybody tell me why? Well, what's the uh, question that you've got in your little booklets? What does verse 22 do? Rather than, you know, just say, telling people, you know, uh, you know, this is what humility is. Verse 22, let me read it for you again. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If we hear the word, but we don't have humility in our lives. What's the outcome? It's in one ear and out the other, right? So, you know, I think it's always best to take people back to the Bible for the answers. And it's real clear right here. If you're humble, guess what? God calls you to do something. Jesus calls you to do something. What are you going to do? If you got the humility, the action will follow. First Peter. Oh, excuse me. Second Peter 1, verse 20. You know, one of the things that, that one of the other things that's good when you're studying the, the Bible with people, Jesus was an incredible storyteller, right? Not as not as in made up stuff, but be basically taking the people people to things that they knew, things that they understand, painting a picture and giving them an illustration to work off of. What were the prophets to God? The same thing that this pen is to me, right? Or your iPad or your computer or whatever it is you use to write and send stuff off to. Now, this pen, it writes, right? But without me, it's absolutely useless, right? So really helping others understand by painting those pictures what they're dealing with. God's the author. The prophets were the ones that conveyed the message. Who does the message apply to? Those that hear it. Amen? Uh, Henry. Dr. Kramer. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the body, soul, and spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's Everything is uncovered and laid bare 
Yeah, I think just, yeah, I've got, I want your opinion on something here in a second. Um, when it comes to the word being living and active, this really inspired me when I went through the studies and that I always viewed the Bible as being this antique that, you know, look it on a coffee table somewhere. But when it came to having any potential implication in my life at all, I honestly didn't believe that it could. Part of the problem with that was my church experiences were very limited. I grew up in a major denomination. There wasn't any practical application that was taught. Early on, what I was hearing was in Latin, so it gives you a little bit of an idea how old I might be. Uh, So needless to say, I wouldn't get nothing out of that. But even as a transition, and even transitioning from some of the denominational churches into, you know, what we might call more mainstream Christianity, there still wasn't anything that I could see in way of application because I never really saw anybody living it. But, you know, it goes on and it talks about what good is it, when, you know, when, the, when the, it talks about the word cutting. When we think of cutting, Henry, you're up. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, something I just like to do here, obviously this is my favorite class. <laughs> so I made your night, is what you're telling me. Well, you hear a couple of verses in English. And, you know, people, this is a whole new experience. You maybe remember back when you studied, to me, this was very different than anything I'd ever done in my life. You could go a little higher, you see, you just kind of commend the person. You know, hey, you know, you have enough faith to sit down and look at God's word and, and, and to see what God may say to you. If I say that, the truth is, you would not let someone come at you with a scalpel unless you felt you didn't want to do it. <laughs> and to the degree you have the faith to get to this point, you're going to be amazed and astounded to see how much more powerful God is in wielding this instrument than you ever hoped and imagined. And oftentimes that resonates with people. Because no one wants to go to a lousy surgery. <laughs> but if we do have an issue, we do want to get cut on. We want to have whatever the issue is taken care of. Amen? Thank you, Henry. Appreciate your professional opinion there. Uh, John 8, verse 30. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, so looking at these people, the thing that's stated in your book is, did these people believe? Yes. Yes. It does say in verse 30 that what was taking place, even as Jesus spoke, many put their faith in him. But if we read the whole passage in context, it's kind of all over the map. I mean, people are going after Jesus aggressively. They don't buy into who he is. He talked about, you know, sin and him being the, the means, the word, Jesus, God being the means of breaking, th- breaking free from our chains of sin. And, you know, we, we know the religious leaders kind of got in his grill about, yeah, man, we're the sin as Abraham. What the heck are you talking about, man? I mean, they have some serious issues. It also says here, it says to the Jews who had believed him, I, I think that the past tense is there for a reason. I mean, there, there were things that people saw early on with some of the miracles and things that Jesus did that they did believe in. But again, where it gets a little sticky is, are you a fan or are you a follower? I think Jesus had a heck of a lot of fans early on in his ministry. But as he started t- turning up the heat as the crowds got larger, guess what? People took issue. Why? They didn't want to change their lives. They didn't want to do what God said. They were comfortable in the way that they were doing things. So as we, we go through this, you know, one of the things that Jesus established is belief enough. 
And I think really understanding what does it mean to hold to Jesus' teachings. I think when it comes to what Jesus lays out here, there's a couple of conditions. The first condition is belief. The second condition is the continuing to abide by or continue. And abide is the same thing as dwell in. Do we dwell in Christ? Do we dwell in the Word? You know, we've got the belief, but that other aspect of this, that second condition is the thing that Jesus is really looking for, is that they connect, they match up. The belief isn't enough. It's the expectation for us to live in accordance with what He has established. And, you know, it, it is encouraging knowing what He talks about here. You know, what's the result of actually connecting the two? Well, being delivered from sin. Knowing the truth. Being a true believer. And again, that all ties back into where you live, where you dwell, where you abide. Ultimately, if those two parts are an aspect of our life, guess what? People are going to see Christ in you. And that's what we all want. Amen? Amen. Next passage is uh, Matthew 15. And this is really a continuation of the passage that we just saw as far as how Jesus feels about religiosity, sincerity. We, we know that sincerity doesn't equal truth. He had a problem with people that established traditions, talked about the walk, but actually weren't living it. You know, what, with this, obviously within the booklet, one of the things it talks about there is what does it mean to worship in vain? Anybody? Well, when we do something in vain, what is it? It's absolutely meaningless. It's worthless. And that's the last way, that's the last place we want to be on Judgment Day. Amen? 1 Timothy 4.16. We got my uh, little airplanes. Want to bring those up there for me? And then, uh, Paulette, if you go ahead and read that. Okay, I remember being asked this question. I would imagine most of you do. What's more important, life or doctrine? <laughs> I wish that had been my answer. <laughs> you know, I thought it was one of those trick questions. Uh, my response was doctrine. You know, and obviously there's a lot of that going around, right? So uh, we got life and doctrine right here, right? We don't have life. Okay, we, we got a stealth bomber here. It did better than I thought. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to get rid of doctrine. See what happens. It's not, not, not flying real good. But if we got life and doctrine together, and that's what we want. We want to fly, baby, right? No crash and burn. So, you know, I know it's stupid. Maybe a stupid little illustration, but you know what? It works. I remember it. You know, you can draw it on a piece of paper, whatever. I'm, I'm a little ADD, so a little bit of live action in the mix helps kind of keep me focused. So, 
Anyway, uh, moving along here, Acts 17. Who's going to be reading that for me? I guess I'll read it. Acts 17, verse 10. So as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they had received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. You know, and this is something I think as a church we tutored our horn about for a long time. But is this, is, again, the life and doctrine match up to the actions versus the talk match up. I mean, are we getting into the word daily? You know, I mean, I would hope if there's something that comes out of my mouth that somebody, some of you are maybe a little bit more familiar with in Scripture than I am, and what I say is wrong, you say something about it. I make mistakes. Babe, after 27 years, hardly ever. Okay, that's, that's still probably giving me a lot more grace than she needs to. Amen? Thank God for grace. But uh, the reality behind this, it talks about the Bereans. They were more noble character. Why? And how did they examine them? What, what happened to the message when they heard it? You know, when you, as you're sitting here tonight, are you eager? It doesn't matter about what's going on with me, but there's some pretty cool passages we're looking at. Is there an eagerness about it? It's the same thing with Sunday worship. It's the same thing when you get up in the morning. And we're not always going to be that way. But I think, you know, making sure that if we're, we're having a roadblock, we're having a hard time moving forward, we pull people on in. Somebody may have a passage that they share with you that gets you unstopped, gets you unglued, gives you the ability to get back to that degree of eagerness. Amen? John 12, 47. And we'll bring things in on for a landing here. Did I assign that to anybody? I'll go ahead and read that too. John 12, 47 through 48. says, As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which is spoken will condemn him at the last day. You know, what does Jesus say will be judged by who on that last day? Yeah. And we know John 1, Jesus and the Word, same thing, right? What are we going to be judged by? By the Bible. You know, I remember there was a, a, a brother years ago, Pat Collins. I had never heard this before. I was a young Christian at the time. And many of you may be more familiar with it than I am. But what's the acronym for Bible. Yeah, basic instructions before leaving earth. You know, if I'm going to leave, I don't know where I'm going, okay? And the best way of doing that is doing what? Getting in the Word, being familiar with what God's established for us. And that kind of wraps things on up here with those two studies tonight. I went three minutes over. I apologize for that. Tried cranking on through. But anyway, hopefully this is helpful from a standpoint of areas that, when it comes to our own personal conviction that may be a little lacking. But even more so, making you confident enough to know that you can sit down with anybody, go to God's Word, and the power of God's Word, the power of Christ, will totally work on their hearts and help usher them into the kingdom, giving them the same opportunity that we have for salvation. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead now. Close this out with a prayer, and we go, we'll then go to our groups. Father, uh, I just want to thank you so much for tonight. 
I want to thank you for your word. Uh, just even be able to look back the last 21 years, I sometimes lose sight of how significant it's been and the changes that have taken place. And God, I'm so grateful for my marriage. I'm so grateful for Jacqueline, my wife. So grateful for my kids, Stephen and Shailene, and knowing that I have, without a doubt, I know I would not have a relationship with any of them today if it wasn't for your word, if it wasn't for the, the gospel that was preached to me. And Father, just knowing, and I'm so grateful that you've given me the ability to have an impact in others' lives. Uh, as, we use, as I use your word, uh, through the relationships I've had through the years, those discipling me, friendships throughout those years, uh, the list of people that I'm grateful for, God, I, it would take probably hours to go through it, thinking through each of the different situations and how they've helped me grow my love for you. Father, as we uh, leave here tonight, I pray that everyone gets home safely. Again, Father, just another little petition there on behalf of Susan Johnson. And uh, God, as we go through this series, for those that are missing tonight because of health issues, be with them, help them to get healthy. Uh, for those that maybe have health issues from a spiritual standpoint, I pray that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we care enough that we'll get involved and really help them grow and mature, leave those elementary teachings, and just really give glory to you, Father, in everything that we do. Father, I love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.